Their letter to the Galatians is a significant piece in the New Testament that was originally used to understand the identity of believers, drive the mission, and strengthen unity within the church. However, over time, its use has evolved, and it became a source of confessional conflicts, acting as a tool for shaping varied responses to queries about human interaction with a merciful God. In the present day, though, it has been reinterpreted as being key to reaching a nuanced consensus about the doctrine of justification. To fully understand the value, dynamics, and rhetoric of Galatians in this context, there's a need for exegetical and hermeneutical clarification. Such clarification will shed light on the basis of Paul's controversial theology, as reflected in the letter to the Galatians, as well as get a better grasp on the assumptions, outlooks, and issues inherent in it. Paul's role and his stimulating input, especially around the ecumenical potential of the letter, need to be properly understood. According to Paul in Galatians 6.10, there's an explicit call for believers to be part of the world and yet focus on the Christian church community. The church community should not exist in isolation, but should have an interest in the life of others, providing them with support where possible. However, the church's energy should be primarily directed towards its own members. This focus on the community of faith mirrors the tenets of the ecumenical movement, which calls for unity and collaboration among different Christian denominations. So the letter to the Galatians can be seen as a cornerstone of the ecumenical movement, providing insights into the principles that underpin the concept of unity in diversity. Also, the Pauline understanding of ecumenism extends beyond Galatians, exhibiting a tension between an openness for others and deep church fellowship. The Galatian epistle, however, is not necessarily a consensus document on ecumenism. It starts with a criticism of another purported gospel, characterized as a perversion. Rather than propose reconciliation, as in Corinthians, Paul emphasizes a binary choice regarding faith. He lays out a strong justification that faith in Jesus Christ is necessary, not works of the law. Recounting the Apostolic Council, Paul accuses opponents in Jerusalem of trying to undermine the freedom they have in Christ. In Paul's view, ecumenism is not unconstrained openness to all baptized individuals' views, but a thoughtful theological discourse encompassing a range of preaching, contemplation, and practice. The objective of these deliberations is the pursuit of freedom in faith, the gospel's truth, and the church community. Paul's insistence on excluding his Galatian opponents and false brothers from the apostolic community sparked debate. However, it clarifies that he demarcates the church's boundaries not to limit membership, but to encompass as many traditions and Gentiles as possible. At the same time, he excludes those applying circumcision and Pharisaic purity as universal belief requirements, indicating a limit to ecumenical openness. Moreover, in his letter to the Galatians, Paul combines personal, missionary, and ecclesiastical perspectives through justification theology, which is underpinned by a threefold approach to remembrance and actualization. For Paul, remembrance of his prior life as an opponent of the Church represents the personal dimension and provides a model of salvation. His remembrance of the Apostolic Council and the agreement between Jerusalem and Antioch symbolize 
the ecclesiastical dimension, showing that the diversity of missions is grounded in a shared faith. And his remembrance of the conflict with Peter is an initiation to reflect on the unity of the Church, despite differences among its members. During actualization, Paul points out that justification theology provides a path for sinners to find their place in Christ and the Church, allows for understanding God's saving will according to Scriptures, and works towards the unity of the Church uniting Jews and Gentiles. Therefore, justification theology is presented as an enabling factor for the believer's personal transformation, fostering a unified yet diverse ecclesiastical community, and a mission centered on sharing the joy of the gospel. Overall, the letter to the Galatians shows Paul's efforts to bring unity in the church while acknowledging the plurality of Christian lifestyles. Furthermore, Paul's letter to the Galatians is fundamentally about the actualization of his belief that salvation is accessible through faith, not through obeying Jewish laws like circumcision. This belief challenges the idea that unity with Jerusalem and Israel is only possible through adherence to such laws. The letter is Paul's argument that he is in full accordance with the Scriptures and the wider Church of Jerusalem. In addition, the letter stresses the three elements of justification from the believer's perspective. The personal element relates to the believer's prayer and imitation of Christ. The Galatians are encouraged to identify themselves with Paul who imitates Christ, pushing the idea that every believer can become a spiritual child in the eyes of God. The concept of justification by faith signifies the beginning of a new life. Secondly, the missionary aspect takes Shapivia Paul's account of his strenuous services in Galatia that, despite the challenges, led to the formation of the Galatian communities. His successful mission serves as evidence that faith, not the law, is the way to salvation. Faith, in Paul's view, involves personal acceptance of the gospel and the practice of spiritual freedom. Finally, the ecclesiastical aspect is embodied in the Church and its relationship with the Apostles. Paul asserts that his justification theology is in line with the common tradition. Thus he persuades the Galatians that if they choose to pursue justification by law, they would be cut off not only from Christ, but also from the wider Church body. In summary, the letter presents three interconnected dimensions of justification theology. Personal faith, missionary work, and church unity. Paul's letter actualizes these dimensions in accordance with faith logic, or within the broader context of communion with Christian churches, thereby making the letter one of ecumenical theology. Further, Pauline theology, as displayed in Romans and Galatians, deeply explores the threefold remembrance and actualization of justification theology. Here, Paul highlights the personal, missionary, and ecclesial dimensions of faith, salvation, and God's righteousness. In the personal dimension, Paul's own turmoil in Romans 7.24 indicates that he is aware of the ubiquity of sin and the impossibility of self-rescue. Yet he also acknowledges the word of reconciliation through faith and Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 7.25a NRSV Justification, according to Pauline theology, is not just liberation from sin and death, 
but also freedom to participate in God's love by loving others. The missionary dimension begins with the declaration, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Rom 116.17. Paul goes on to explain the prevalence of sin, God's promise for salvation, and the pivotal role of faith. It is this faith, similar to Abraham's, which is the authentic and complete response to God's Word. This leads to the ecclesial dimension, which is expressed via the sacramental aspect in the theology of baptism, the spiritual emphasis on collective prayer, and the moral aspect as reflected in reconciliation amongst different sets of believers. Justification theology merges God's grace with human freedom, personal experience with communal church involvement, and divine justice with human justice. As such, Pauline theology encapsulates ecumenical theology, which seeks unity among Christian churches and denominations. Besides, Paul's justification theology has been crucial in controversies between the Protestant and Catholic churches since late antiquity. Augustine's theology of grace, inspired by Paul, was a significant development, but led to a loss of the Pauline dialectic between God's sovereignty and human freedom, and had implications for views on sexuality. Augustine's interpretation emphasized an anthropological reading of Paul's letters, focusing on personal salvation in the context of the fall of the Roman Empire and the end of pre-Christian religions. Additionally, Augustine stressed the role of the Church and the necessity of faith. However, this combination of theology and political support led to a dogmatic approach that overlooked the importance of a missionary dimension. Augustine's interpretation of Paul had a significant influence on Western theology, demonstrated by the work of Aquinas. His theories reconciled Augustine's extreme views on predestination, contending for a grace that enables all the faithful, not just church ministers, to participate in redemption. However, Aquinas's intellectual interpretation of faith struggled to reconcile the Pauline contradiction between faith and works, or the law. Additionally, Augustine's legalistic thinking shaped the analogy of human law systems in justification theology, potentially leading to the creation of a bureaucratic system. An exegetical theology of the law is suggested to address this issue. In summary, Paul's theology of justification has shaped key theological debates and interpretations in the Christian Church, notably in controversies between Protestant and Catholic doctrines. While it has provided valuable insights into personal salvation and the role of grace, its interpretations have also generated problems, including a dogmatic approach to faith and complexities associated with the legalistic association of the theology. Pauline theology notably influenced the works of Augustine and Aquinas, despite some challenges in integrating the teachings on faith, law, and grace. An understanding based on theological exegesis may help address these issues. Besides, Eliot discusses the impact of Lutheran and Catholic theology on the interpretation of Paul's justification theology. Martin Luther emphasized the role of faith in salvation, breaking away from the religious practices demanded by the Catholic Church. His teachings aim to dispel the fear of losing God's love, asserting that trust in God, rather than religious achievements, guarantees salvation. 
Also, Luther sought to enhance church unity through Reformation, even as his views were tainted by anti-Jewish and anti-Islamic sentiments. The Council of Trent, convened to respond to Protestantism, provided a different interpretation of Paul's theology. Rather than negating the importance of good works, the Council asserted that one achieves salvation through the grace of God, while also recognizing the merit in being prepared for it. Baptism was seen as an essential step towards rebirth and sanctification, while faith and love were viewed as unified in response to God's Word. The Council emphasized the role of the Church as the vehicle for God's message and instruments of reconciliation, envisioning mission mainly as an integration into the Catholic Church. Both Lutheran and Catholic interpretations have potential to relate Paul's anthropology to modern experiences, but they also face issues, particularly in how their theologies can unite the Church and motivate its mission. Although they both assert their interpretations based on the teachings of St. Augustine, their views diverge significantly from each other. The dichotomy in their views presents a significant question for soteriology. How the original concept of Pauline faith would affect Catholic justification theology in the Tridentine system. Moreover, the work of Adolf von Harnack and Rudolf Bultmann have influenced modern theological interpretations of religious achievement and faith, particularly in relation to Protestantism and Catholicism. Von Harnack's critique on the Catholic hierarchy was seen as a liberation from the Jewish casuistic, and his interpretation of Paul's letter to the Galatians merges Pauline and modern concepts of freedom. However, his writings were noted for reducing theology to morality, weak concept of faith, and treating mission as a promotional tool for Protestantism. Unity, in his view, exists in the invisible church, while the diversity of confessions mirrors the need for cultural progress. Bultmann sought to address the issue of liberal theology's focus on achievements in religious and social matters with a more meaningful understanding of faith. His leading interpretation formed an existential understanding of faith while criticizing liberal theology's obsession with religious and social accomplishments. He adopted a perspective of faith as a divine mercy for individuals who couldn't measure up with their own works, as opposed to the Reformation critique which emphasized the impossibility of anyone claiming achievements before God. Despite the success of his interpretations, critics debate that Bultmann failed to cover the ecclesial and missionary dimension of justification. The critique in the formation of Catholicism under the pious popes at the Second Vatican Council borrowed from Paul's idea of liberation to dispute for the freedom of Christian faith to be maintained and respected. This consensus between Lutheran and Catholic interpretations in American and German contexts was instrumental in sparking ecumenical discussions on 16th-century problems, including Paul's writings. As the influence of Augustinian anthropocentrism remains strong, the doctrine of justification is clarified and reshaped. Consequently, crucial aspects of Pauline justification theology have been integrated into modern reception history, although with no explicit ecclesial consequences. Furthermore, in the ecumenical progress, a new approach that reinterpreted Paul and his justification theology began to take root within the United States, the United Kingdom, and Scandinavia. This resulted from influences such as Jewish-Christian dialogue, a new dimension of religious sociology, 
and varying theological perspectives like Reformed Covenant Theology, Methodist Sanctification Theology, and Anglican Peace Theology. The new perspective critiqued anthropocentrism, overemphasis on religious achievement, and reinterpreted the law as part of the solution in salvation, rather than the problem. This helped elucidate various aspects of Paul's theology, such as the social role of circumcision and purity laws, establishing partnerships across traditional divides, and the relationship between conversion and faith. The study of Second Temple Judaism, facilitated by Qumran texts, enabled a greater understanding of religious plurality and shed light on sin destruction and construction of God's grace. The new approach is considered more historically accurate, theologically profound, and of more ecclesial substance. However, it also bears potential problems such as the issue of identity markers and the antithesis between faith and the works of law. The prevalent issue, however, is the omission of this perspective in ecumenical dialogue and its dominance by the controversies of the 16th century and the Lutheran or Tridentine interpretation of Paul. While this presents a challenge for ecumenical discussions, it also offers a potential opportunity for a refreshed dialogue. In addition, the main issue discussed is the potential benefits versus drawbacks of tying ecumenical consensus to justification theology, not just to the New Testament, but also to the Old Testament, Paul's biblical environment and renewed perspectives. The aim is to deepen Jewish-Christian relations, establish ecclesiastical unity, redefine the original church's mission, and recognize that personal faith has ecclesiastical and missionary dimensions. In response, two significant studies were initiated in 2006, an exegetical ecumenical study project on justification theology involving the Lutheran World Federation, the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, the Methodist World Conference, and the World Communion of Reformed Churches. The goal with these studies is to present justification by looking at the New Testament, not just to Paul's theology of justification, but also exploring James, Peter and John, and focusing on the gospel of the kingdom of God, as conveyed in the Synoptic Gospels. Both studies view Paul as a Jew who believes in Jesus Christ, providing an inspired interpretation of Scripture, not as a preeminent figure, but as an essential part of early church faith. It's seen that newly defined theology of justification could lend a fresh approach to Paul, particularly his letter to the Galatians, and his letters to the Philippians and Romans. Further, these studies affirm that coherence among Christian doctrines should lead to peace with Jews, preserve the diversity and unity of scriptures, fortify the mission and fellowship of the contemporary church, and address current questions about the search for God, happiness, and the best approach to live and die. Last but not least, the Pauline stimulus refers to three dimensions of ecumenical theology, as seen in Paul's letter to Galatians, personal, missionary, and ecclesial. These dimensions consider contemporary challenges and are based on Paul's ecumenical theology of justification. Understanding faith as trusting in God, Paul points to a consensus of faith community, scripture quotes making the central argument, and the use of reason built trust in God, thus faith becomes a public declaration, undergirded by community consensus, scriptural support, and rationalization.
Concern about faith being an illusion is a significant challenge. The question of mission considers missionary activity as potentially imperialistic. However, Paul presents the mission as an invitation to freedom, opening it up to all people. It is through accepting this monotheistic message that humans become citizens of heaven. The inclusion of all nations reflects Paul's conception of mission with Jews and Gentiles having equal rights to the gospel and freedom of choice, making mission a diaconia, service, and contributing to global peace. The unity of the church doesn't compromise its diversity, but rather enhances it. Paul's concept of koinonia refers to a community inclusive of all, men, women, slaves, free people, Jews, and Greeks, unified under one God. Unity goes hand in hand with diversity, with communal inclusion forming the essence of the church. Therefore, in Paul's theology, justification is linked with freedom and participation in the church, predicated on divine love and unified faith in God. In sum, Pauline stimulus reinterprets faith as trust, considers missionary work as service and liberation, and perceives unity in diversity as the essence of the church. The concept challenges contemporary issues and gives new interpretation to ecumenical theology based on the theology of justification. In conclusion, the letter to the Galatians, part of the New Testament, is a key reference in understanding ongoing theological debates within Christianity. Originally serving to identify believers, guide mission, and promote unity, the letter's interpretation has evolved over time, stoking confessional disputes and acting as a basis for resolving questions surrounding human interaction with a merciful God. The text provides critical insights into Apostle Paul's theology and can be seen as foundational to the doctrine of justification, which refers to how humans can be saved from sin and achieve righteousness. The fundamental premise of this doctrine, as presented by Paul, is that faith in Jesus Christ, not adherence to Jewish law, leads to justification. Paul's complex theology is noted for its implications on personal faith, missionary work, and church unity. In Galatians, he asserts that while the Christian church should be part of the world, its main focus should lie within its own community, reflecting the idea of unity amid diversity. However, Paul also set terms for this unity, allowing for a vibrant theological discourse, but setting limits to ecumenical openness, excluding those adhering to rules such as circumcision as prerequisites for belief. The thinking of key theologians like Augustine and Aquinas, both significantly influenced by Paul's theology, had profound effects on Western Christian traditions, but also introduced tough questions related to faith, law, and grace. Contemporary interpretations such as the Lutheran emphasis on faith and the Catholic view on the merit of good works continued these debates. Additionally, modern theologians have grappled with the challenge of relating Paul's teachings to current experiences often revealing tension and disparity between different views of Paul's theology. Increasingly, emphasis has shifted to reinterpreting Paul in light of historical perspectives, such as Second Temple Judaism and newer theological perspectives. The modern understanding of Paul's theology seeks to balance personal faith, church unity, and mission in a quest for a more historically accurate, 
more profound theological understanding. However, the ongoing debate showcases the struggles in fully encompassing Paul's teachings within the wider Christian context, and the tension such reinterpreting brings within different Christian denominations. Further studies are now exploring the unity and diversity of Scripture, the mission and fellowship of contemporary churches, and modern philosophical questions surrounding faith and life.